I got a dream of winning a Super Bowl. I got a dream of being in a Pro Bowl. I'm really not into dreams anymore, okay? I'm into the nightmares. There it is! Caught! Touchdown! Raiders! You're listening to the Autumn Windbags, an audio attack from the Silver and Black. Here are your windbags, RJ Clifford and Juan Soto. Yeah, it is another episode of the Autumn Windbags. RJ Clifford, Juan Soto, let's have some fun today. Back on the road again, broadcasting live from beautiful Sao Paulo, Brazil. Brazil. I'm full of uh, Brazilian meat. Very, I bet. Very feisty. Yep. Despite your uh, homosexual innuendo. Can't, Never. Even you, can't, even you can't ruin the meal I just had. Ridiculous amounts of beef. I sat down. I think for the rest of the show, I'm going to talk in the Brazilian accent. Speaking pork and cheese? Hi, <laughs> bro. You got to roll jiu-jitsu. You bro. have to roll jiu-jitsu. You got to fit the flow. Beautiful country down here in South America. It's weird. It's the biggest one in South America, but it's like the redheaded stepchild because they're the ones that don't speak Spanish and everyone hates them. Yeah, everyone else speaks Spanish. Yeah. Except, I mean, most, most, of, most of them speak some Spanish, but mm-hmm. it's not, it's not their, their language. It's, they speak Spanish the way you speak Spanish. Very Spanglishy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not quite all the way there. Right. Kind of like me. Uh, so you did um, one day late for us recording this on a, uh, what is this, Wednesday or Thursday? It's Thursday, this is Thursday, sir. I'm completely out of it. Uh, record this one day late. I was traveling, but uh, we did an emergency podcast, obviously, the night that we found out Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler got fired, an immediate reaction one to that. You did a live YouTube exclusive Tuesday night, Wednesday Exclusive. Just on, like, the new things that are happening. Now you got Antonio Pierce's head coach, Champ Paley, GM, a couple quotes from players and things like that. Uh, This is a story that has continued to keep moving along, um, and it's no different today. So this was the first day we got to kind of get not like an exclusive or just kind of like a peek into how things are in Raider Nation with Josh McDaniels gone, Dave Ziegler gone, and the new regime coming in. And it seems pretty good about what's going on here. Uh, Vic Tafer tweeted, happiest locker room ever from The Athletic. To Sean Reed, the Raiders' offensive line has been having impromptu wrestling matches in the locker room today. I don't know about you, but when me and my brothers had impromptu wrestling matches, it's because we were having fun, not because we hated each other. It seems like the old line's having a good time. Who wins Who wins an impromptu wrestling match in the locker room? I mean, it's got to be Colton, right? you got to be the big swinging dick. Not Colton. necessarily, man. Who beats a lot, him? A lot of these uh, – anyone who has a wrestling background and is that big – you can just be big with no wrestling background. If you have a wrestling background as a football player and you're, you, you know how it is. Guys, guys try to like, you know, mess with you and they're like no wrestling background. It's like, bro, you don't want to do that. Yeah. You're going to get on the arm track. Boop. Elevator up, elevator down, like right yeah. away. So, <laughs> you know, you don't want to do that. Out the cheat moves that don't really work on anyone good, but it's going to work on some big dude who never wrestled before. Yeah. Just wants to grab you. All right, cool. Grab me. See what happens. And then there's this one. Greatest Devontae Adams video of all time. Devontae just having fun, joking around. Got a little basketball on his Oh, bottle of Drano. They're just fooling around, man. 
They're just having fun. They're just playing. They're just, they're big kids having fun at sports again. And it's been a long time. So we can say that. Dude, it, it, it honestly, it has to be so refreshing now. Like I bet everybody gets there super early. Even if they got there early already, they got there extra early. Cause it's just like a fun place to be, you know? Yeah. Uh, I don't mind getting to the gym where I work as early as I do because it's fun. I talk to the guys, you know, just chill. Like, uh, I don't mind being there. Even the even my regular job, like I don't mind being there either. It's 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 you know when you when you have fun where where you're working, it's not even like you're working. You know, instead of like as opposed to Josh McDaniels' environment, it's like this is a job. Treat it as a job. Be a professional. It's like good. We're playing a game. Like, come in here and have fun. I want to be able to say that our team, Raider Nation, play or not Raider Nation, but the players on the Raiders, they're rock hard. They're mentally ironclad. They can take criticism and, and move forward. They can take, like, I want to be able to think that our players are robots and you can just do exactly what needs to be done. You screwed up here, here, and here. You need to fix this, this, and this. Go do it. And have it just be as simple as that, right? I would love for that to be the case. But it's not. They're humans. They're not robots. They're human beings. Not only that, they're mostly human beings in their early 20s that have had their asses kissed the majority of their lives. That's why coaching matters. And not just coaching X's and O's and being able to go onto a whiteboard and figure out a game, but treating them like human beings and speaking them and treating them in a way that's going to get the most out of them. You can, you can feel from Long Beach, California, the weight that has come off the shoulders of all those players in Las Vegas from here. You can feel it. You can see it in, um, in the press conferences. Everyone just seems more relaxed, you know? Um, that's one of the things that I talked about, about Josh McDaniels is, uh, he, he lacks that human element, the human interaction, and to get people to be on board, especially such a large group of diverse people. Uh, like I was saying before, you know, you can't, you can't coach everyone the same way because not everyone responds to the same things. Yeah. Uh, and there's a lot of things that you want to say, but, I mean, if you've coached someone on something multiple times already, just it was a, the human element. It was a mistake. You know, stuff happens happens right and you just kind of like you know look at them sometimes and be like look you know you know what to do right all right again all right sweet right um like at work i, I have a guy he's he's a real nice guy you know tends to not retain a lot of information but he's a he's a he's a good kid i tell him to do something and he didn't do he it doesn't retain like, a lot of well, information. I thought, uh, I, in my mind when he said that in my mind yeah yeah <laughs> well, no, I wouldn't say that, but okay. when he when he started his he started his response with I thought that I want I wanted to say in my head that's your first problem you thought like don't think just do what I asked that's what I said in my head what it's I said to him was issue, all right I get what you're saying you don't, we don't ever think yeah 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 what I what I said it's what I said thing. to him was hey yeah I get I get it man all right don't worry just you know just let's let's just do it this way for for now. But, and that, that's something that's, you don't have to, you don't have to address every single mistake, especially if you've addressed it before. 
sometimes, and, and just one of the things that we we heard about uh, the last loss uh, when they lost to the uh, the Bears, like, oh, we get to drive, fly home and and uh, talk about how bad we messed up in every single play. And uh, sometimes, you know, it just it just gets overwhelming. There's times where where tough love is necessary, and there's times where just like an ass whipping is necessary. But if that's all you know and all you do, it's hard to get the best out of the people. And also doing that when you have a history of failure. It's one thing for Bill Belichick who can just kind of like wave his Super Bowl rings at you and be like, let's do it this way. And you're like, okay, like I'll listen, Bill. Like it's, I don't, maybe I don't understand it. Maybe I don't like it, but you've got the resume to prove it. Jambi. But, but even now, even now, they're not winning. They haven't been winning. So, yeah. I don't care how much you've won before. We're not winning now, so if you can't adjust, yeah, they're not going to want to. They're not going to want to hear that either. You you can get away with a lot as long as you're winning, and if you're not, you you, you have to be able to appeal to the human element. So now the Raiders have shifted to Antonio Pierce, linebackers coach. Now has been promoted to interim head coach. Champ Bailey was assistant GM. Now he's interim general manager, and it's been. Just barely over 24 hours. So the press conference was Wednesday. Uh, again, you did the whole video on them getting hired and that situation. Uh, check it on YouTube if you missed it. But just my two cents on all this. Um, I have no clue if Antonio Pierce is head coach material. Not a clue. No idea. I, 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 I could get. I, I, I have no idea. I know that he coached high school, a very successful high school team, Long Beach Poly. Um, I know he's a Super Bowl champion as a player. And I know for sure this. After listening to his presser, I haven't played football since I was 17 years old. I was ready to put on shoulder pads and helmets and start running through brick walls after listening to his speech in that presser. The number one thing we weren't getting out of Josh McDaniels leadership, engaging the hearts of men, being leaders of athletes, motivating guys to get the best out of them. I feel that with Antonio Pierce. I don't know if it's going to translate into wins. I don't know if he can do anything else. But I do know that the number one, that the vacuum that was left with Josh McDaniels leaving will be filled by Antonio Pierce. That much I know. It makes a lot of sense. Um, one of the things that I just think a lot of times people want to be heard, you know, because these guys are working hard. It's not like they're not working. And um, a lot of times when you think hard about not making a mistake is when you make the most mistakes. Mm -hmm. So honestly, I think that the, the, the nature of, um, of Josh McDaniels and, and and his way of coaching kind of makes people jumpy, you know, makes them want make more mistakes. And, um, you know, there's a couple things. I mean, when, when have we seen um, Devonte Adams drop this many passes? Like never. Right. And it's just like, uh, you know, there's a couple things. One, you know, he, he's, per he's consciously thinking about not making a mistake. Yep. Also, it's I don't get a lot of targets a, a game anymore. I better make this one 
you know, work because I don't know when I'm going to get my, on my next target. And it's like you're thinking too much. You're not just you're not playing. You're not having fun. You're just thinking. And that's when you play slow. That's when you make the most mistakes. Uh, the other part about Antonio Pierce is his entire press conference was. This is what I want to do. This is where I want to go. This is the responsibilities. This is how I'm going to get there. It wasn't about him. It wasn't about the job. It was about the players. It was about the mission. And that was such a great, great statement. And you compare that to Champ Bailey. I don't think Champ's going to stick around. His whole speech was like, it was like an acceptance speech for a Grammy. He's like, I want to thank my daughters. I want to thank my wife. This is a great opportunity. It's like, it was an acceptance speech. Now, Champ Kelly? Uh, Champ Kelly, excuse me. We're, we're rooting for Champ to succeed. But while as Antonio Pierce, it was like a delivery of intent, Champ Kelly's speech was like an acceptance speech for a Grammy. Like, it was like me, me, me. And I think the spotlight might be too much for him. I've shocked you with my statement. I've rendered you silent. I don't know, man. I think that um, it's a little bit different for Champ than it is for Antonio Pierce because there's not much for Champ to do right now. There's not a lot of uh, power that he's being given uh, to like sign extensions and you know sign con- and uh, you know he can't make trades anymore. Uh, he picked up. Uh, we'll talk about it later. He picked up a player off the waiver wire. Um, so there's not a lot of like the GM work if for this season is mostly done. There's just a couple of you know decisions here and there. People get hurt, who to bring up, stuff like that. But um, what did that make him even less acceptance speechy? I I I don't know. I just think it was um, the highlight of that press conference was Antonio Pierce. That yeah. was who it was for. Champ is just kind of like along for the ride, even though he's. I think he's going to do well. Uh, he's very well respected in the league. Um, I think he knew what the what the deal was too. I think it was. This is all about Antonio Pierce and what he's going to do with the players that he he can affect week week in and week out. Uh, and let me just kind of like thank the people I want to thank, and then I'll just give it back over to him. That's how I took it. Do you look at Antonio P- Pierce seriously as a permanent head coaching candidate? Um, yeah, I think so. It's, it's, it's kind of like the guy that I asked for. I said, look, what did I say? I don't need an offensive guru. I don't need a defensive guru. I need a coach. I need a guy that can lead this team and who's smart and who knows football. And that's Antonio Pierce. And he doesn't need to be, he just needs to be able to find the right people to hire. I I don't want us to get too caught up in the moment. Um, so like when, when John Gruden got, got fired, right. And when John Gruden, like when John Gruden, John Gruden as a, as a NFL head coach, pretty good. Like I like John Gruden as a coach, awful as a GM. And so when he Fair. got canned because of emails, we're like, all right, whoever's next, like it can't be, it has to be a GM and a coach. We can't have one guy have both. It doesn't work. Blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, it definitely can work. It just didn't work with the last guy. Like John Gruden, like there are some very good coach and GMs that like guys that do both they're they're rare but they exist right but we're just like no no, no we can't do it because John Gruen's awful at it now we're going from Josh McDaniels and we're like he's all X's and O's 
all like, ah, motherfucker, you're terrible. And now we want like a player's coach, a leader, things like that. And that's Antonio Pierce. So we're like, we're like, oh, this is exactly the guy that we've been looking for to fill the void of the last guy. I'm hoping we don't get too caught up in the moment. And again, Antonio Pierce might be a phenomenal head coach, defensive genius, can handle personnel, can handle media, can do maybe, right? We know so little about him. He's been a linebacker coach for us, right? Um, but more likely than not, he's not one in a million. Yeah, that's, you know, I, I think it's just basic math using basic statistics. He's probably not one in a million, a guy that can do everything, but he does seem like a guy that can motivate. So, with that in mind, I'm thinking just because he's a great motivator, which is again number one for both of us. Make no yeah. mistake. Like that's what we we both have been calling for that. And not just because Josh McDaniels was bad at it, but because we know what it needs what, what you need to be as a success, successful head coach. He just he can't just be that and have that be enough. You gotta you gotta bring more to the table. Yeah. So, so just moving forward, because he's the thing we've been lacking. I don't want us to get too excited that he's doing it's like you're you're dating a chick forever and like she's a great cook, super nice, gets along with your sister. She has kind of small tits. And so you break up with her and you just go for the first double D's you see, because that's what you've been lacking. Like, well, you gotta make sure she's the total package. It can't just yeah. be the one thing lacking from your last girlfriend. Well, one thing that uh, I heard today was from an old teammate of his was Chris Canty. Mm -hmm. He said that Antonio Pierce is personality wise, a mix between um, Dan Campbell and uh, was the guy from the pit from Pittsburgh. Tomlin, Tom, Mike Tomlin. Yeah. He's like, he's that guy. Um, and he said he was oh, one wait. of the smartest, one of the smartest players he's ever played with kind of like the glue guy, the guy that got everyone together. Uh, defensive captain, the leader of that defense, he said that he made coaches look better because he would adjust players pre-snap to make the plays work where he because he knew what he was looking at up yeah. on the opposing offense. So he's smart. He's a, a people person where he can, you know, get a lot of different people together. Um, he's tough. He's disciplined. Um, he's, he's, he's got, a, he checks a lot of boxes, man. I don't think he's just a fluff guy, uh, from what Chris Canty was saying. Um, he, he, he has what it takes to be a good head coach. He just needed an opportunity. Well, he certainly got it. I mean, he's got the rare opportunity that most guys don't, right? You're going from just a kind of a random positional coach, quite frankly, one of the worst positions that we have on the team linebacker, not his fault, but the personnel, right? Um, and now you're getting a chance to be one of 32 coaches in the most prestigious sports league in America. So what are we expecting from him? What are what what are realistic expectations for Antonio Pierce moving forward? I mean, just generally, or is there anything specific? You tell me. What, what are you looking for? What are you excited about? Do you want me to go first? I, I just want to see more juice, man. I want to see more juice to the team. I want okay. to see a little bit more excitement. Um uh, because the problem's the offense, and he's probably not going to touch it. I mean, he made Aiden O'Connell the quarterback, but he's the defensive guy. He's not going to be play calling. He's not going to be making drastic changes. But I, but, think that's, but, I think that's where you can tell. If the offense drastically improves or even moderately improves, you know it's not his X's and O's. It's just the team's better. The locker room's happier. 
the they're more motivated. Also, you want to take a look at, um, for example, let's just for example, if they they start playing more like zone blocking, they start calling more zone blocking run plays, mm-hmm. uh, where Josh Jacobs excels, and not maybe as many power run plays and stuff like that. Um, you you have a tight script. You let you you let your OC know. Look, man, I want a tight script. I need to get Devonte Adams a ball, mm-hmm. like not just the first couple of plays of the game to shut him up. Like I need he needs to get the ball like constantly. Um, bring back third and Renfro, right? Um, use motion to 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 get get good matchups. Like so, he can make suggestions from a defensive perspective. This is what this defense does well. Mm-hmm. As opposed yeah, to right? yeah. basically what uh what the offensive coordinator did uh, after the first couple of years to Peyton Manning, because Peyton Manning called his all his own plays, but he would just give him concepts. Hey, try, let's let's try you doing this or you know, whatever. And then Peyton Manning would call the actual plays from the line. So he knows what the defense is good at, right? He knows what the defense can do. He can explain that to the offense. Okay, this this is how we want to attack this defense type of thing. So he can still give input and be involved and know kind of like what the game plan is, right? Uh, but he doesn't have to be there calling the plays. If the Raiders' offense against the Giants this weekend shows more life than it has, like it hasn't scored more than twenty points, right? The bar is very low, and you have a defensive head coach on five days' notice, right? If against the Giants, they look better, they score 25, right? They do, you know, Josh Jacobs is able to finally have a 100-yard game. Farva, you know, those 300 yards, three touchdowns. Only put up a 40-burger on them. Whatever, right? Like, let's say good things happen. Who are you? Who are we giving credit to? Farva, Bo Hardigy, who's now offensive coordinator, mm-hmm. Antonio Pierce, Where's I think we all deserve some credit. Antonio Pierce for creating an environment that allows players to play freely, that allows players to play conf- with confidence. I think getting um, getting blamed for everything going wrong for so long maybe even gets you questioning yourself a little bit. Uh, so ha- go out there, play with confidence. Uh, you have Bo, of course, that's going to uh, be the one calling the plays. And Aiden, you know, in your scenario, overall, the one who goes out and has to execute. So they all deserve some uh, some credit for uh, the offense going well. You just have to make sure that everyone is on the same page, which um, kind of what I what I talked about from my disjointed comment, where, where's the disconnect between conversations between uh, Devonta Adams and Josh McDaniels and between what we see on the field. Pretty much, Josh McDaniels was kind of like bobbleheading. I'm like, yeah, okay, okay, cool, 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 cool. And he just did whatever he wanted, right? So this is this is where we can make a difference. We we can make this different, um, and even even let um, let uh, players like Devonte Adams or Hunter Renfro or Josh Jacobs or whoever in on some of the defensive meetings. Like, hey, you know, from a defensive perspective, right? You have, let's say, you have the head coach and you have Bo Hargitay and you have uh, Farva and Devonte, whoever, right? And uh, Devon, uh, Antonio Pierce, from his perspective, defensively says, "This is what this team wants to do. This is what they do well. Mm-hmm. How do we attack this?" 
When have you seen this before? What have you done? If you have that type of collaboration, which I doubt they had in the past, you can get a pretty good game plan together pretty quickly because it's not like the scheme that we run is like an alien scheme that no one else does. Like we have a lot of the same concepts that most of the teams run, right? It's just the verbiage is different. So we have the plays to be able to attack these defenses and what they want to do and what their weaknesses are. We just have to make sure that we're all on the same page on how to highlight it. Yeah, I think, you know, like with most things, I think the details is going to matter. Like if this O-line all of a sudden starts blocking better, that's Antonio Pierce. It's just these guys are motivated and playing better, yeah, right? Yeah. If it's the normal offense we've always been running, but it's successful, that's Farva. It's like, yeah, like he just – here's the offense he's, he's learned. This season, and he's just executing better he's than better. Jimmy G or whoever, right? Just better, right? He's just a better quarterback. That's Hopefully that's – hopefully that's what we're all hoping for. That's the case, Right. So there's a lot to be looking forward to on Sunday against the Giants, um, offensively and defensively, about what's going to change, what isn't, what's success. And, you know, and obviously on the flip side of the coin, if everything goes to crap, um, you know, it's a lot of things that this this franchise is trying to overcome, right? Getting a new coach midweek, short week. That's rough. That's a massive hill. That is a that is a massive hill. Short week, midweek. Oh, man, it's normally this happens like, the night of a game or the morning after a game. So at least you can get a practice in mm-hmm. uh, this. You thought they, they still practice, I think, right on what was it? Tuesday. They, they, uh, there's, there's no practice Tuesday or Wednesday. Thursday was the first practice. Oh God. So they're only going to have two practices. So, two, yeah. Well, yeah. Thursday, Friday, that better well, be one hell of a walkthrough. I'll have a walkthrough on Saturday, right? Cause it's a home game. Luckily. Yeah. That better be one hell of a walkthrough. Right. It'll be, it'll be a, a brisk through. Yeah, a you, know, you know what? Uh, you know what? Uh, Pete Carroll used to do at USC uh, when uh, they would cheat? travel. What's that? Cheat? Duh. Nah. Uh, he used to get before the walkthrough. He would get all the uh, the players in in the ballroom right where they were going to do the walkthrough of the hotel, uh-huh. and he would turn the lights off and just let them go crazy mosh pit for like a minute. And then, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right. And then he, he like, turns the lights on. All right, all right, calm down, calm down, calm down. No, all right, let's, let's walk through. You got out of your system. Let's do the walkthrough. I'm not saying we should do that, but um, there, there's ways to help information stick. And I don't know that drilling it down to, like, the most granular level is the best way to do it. Uh, yeah. These players know what they're doing. You know, they're professionals. They're, they're in the NFL for a reason. Like I said, they're running concepts that most teams run, just the verbiage is different. So it's not like they, they've never run this stuff before. Uh, and it's not like Farva's never seen it before. So um, I, I just think it's – it's it, when you're calm and, and you're confident, you play better. So how do we get here? Um, in the short term, lots of credit to Mark Davis for being able to suck it up, admit he was wrong, and write – a pretty extensive check or a, con- a continuation of multiple checks to fire Josh McDaniels, who according to reports six year deal by him. Well, Dr. Bombay, uh, with all due respect, uh, mm. it was a rather large check. It was a rather large check. What movie and is that? Multiple, <laughs> multiple large checks. Let us know in the comment section, right? Multiple large checks on top of, he's probably still paying John Gruden. He's going to have to keep paying Josh McDaniels. Antonio Pierce, I'm sure, is getting a bump, and he's got to pay whoever the head coach is next season. 
So props to Mark, props to Mark Davis for buying his way out of this problem. He wants to win, man. You, you can't you can't tell me that he doesn't want to win. You can't tell me what what other owner would take players from his team to PF Chang's for lunch and ask them, "Well, what do you want to do? What what do you, what should you what should we do here?" So credit to him in the short term, but in the grander scheme of things, he's also who got us here. In the last 12 years of ineptitude on this franchise, there's only been one constant, right? It's been Mark Davis. He's been at the top. Decisions that haven't worked out. Why is he going where he is? He had, obviously, his father, Al Davis, as a mentor. And he's got other mentors. Who are those guys? Well, Amy Trask, who's a former Raiders executive, was on CBS Sports Radio She's and good. answered that exact question. Many of his in-house advisors have changed of late. The people who were in-house that advised him um, when he was selecting Josh McDaniels, they're gone. But he's got a lot of outside advisors as well. And there's a connectivity with the Tom Brady advisor role in the following sense. One of his primary, primary advisors is Jim Gray. And of course, Jim Gray has connectivity with Tom Brady. Um, there are others, Ron Wolf, Ken Herock, both of them have very strong football backgrounds. Um, Mike Ornstein is an advisor. So he does have advisors outside the building. So it's rare that we got an actual like names to who's doing it, right? Like this, I felt like this was all very, 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 very inner circle stuff. The, like getting actual names of who advises Mark Davis. So um, three things here. First off, the guy, she didn't give names about who's gone. Interesting, uh, inter interestingly enough. But the guys who advised him to hire Josh McDaniels, she said, are gone. That leads me to believe that Mark Davis was really pissed with what's going on. It's one thing to be like, I trust you guys. We came to a decision. We missed. We threw a dart at the board. We missed. Let's get let's get back into the, you know, let's get back into the in the lab and figure out who it is, you know. Let's, let's write this wrong. Instead, Mark Davis is like, all y'all are gone. All you guys that said Josh McDaniels was the man, you're out of here, according to Amy Trask. It's almost like uh, when you throw away something that's rotting, rotten in your in your fridge, and then you smell something that's, that was next to it, and you're like, yeah, I'm just going to throw that away, too. I think some of the stink got on there, too, right? So ultimately, I think he has so much egg on his face from this decision because of what happened in Denver. When you look back and you're like, how did we not see this happening again? Right. And that as my number product, one fear, right? My number yeah. one fear was like, we'd be like, we should have saw this coming. This is exactly and, what happened in Denver. And, and at the time, period. yeah. And, and I'm guilty of it too. And I'm guilty of it where, where I was like, well, give him a chance and see if he's learned from his mistake. And at the time, it sounded like a sound thing to say. But af after, after the fact, after I turned on him, I'm like, fuck, hit me. How do we not know? How do we, How not? Do we not know, dude? How do we not know? And that's the thing is, I think when you get to that point, you don't want to hear excuses, right? What you want to hear is, yeah, man, I screwed up. That was it. It, it is what it is. Whatever, whatever. And I think that's what if if I can all, I can say with a pretty high level of certainty that Josh McDaniels tried to hum and haw, and you know, his way through his meeting with Mark Davis because that's just who he is. And Mark Davis was tired of hearing it. It's like, look, man, you suck. Your offense sucks. Your team sucks. They don't want to play for you. I've talked to them. They've told me themselves. 
that they hate coming to work because they 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 just don't like being blamed for everything. You don't take accountability. Uh, you 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 blame everyone else. Nothing is changing. We're getting worse. He was and Homer then, Simpson from the bowling episode. Exactly. These guys played suck. They just sucked. They're the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. <laughs> so then you bring in all your advisors, your advisors who told you that, okay, tell me what happened. How did we not see this coming? Why did you not see this? What were you thinking? What was your thought process? If they started making excuses too, you know what? That one guy and his BS excuses got everybody fired. And, and I'm sure that's what he wanted to do. He wanted to just cut all of that Patriot bull, bull junk, right? He wanted to cut. I'm, I'm doing. I'm getting pretty good at stopping myself. I don't have my soundboard because I'm on the road, so it's it's dangerous. It's like we're treading. Like there's very little consequences, and we're still being good. I'm still I'm keeping. Of- I'm still keeping steady. But yeah. you know, any anyone who thought this was a good idea has got to go. And yeah. I'm not, you know, opposed to that. Uh, so the other part of this that I found, found very interesting is that one of the primary guys that is an advisor to Mark Davis, and she mentioned him specifically loudly and multiple times is Jim Gray randomly the CBS broadcaster. He's got the podcast, the let's go podcast with Tom Brady. He did his like the Showtime boxing interviews. He's a CBS employee. And also this interview was on CBS sports. So maybe that's why she made it a point to like emphasize Jim Gray. I would never have thought in a million years that like a network journalist would be a primary assist for Mark. I'm trying to find the connection. So, okay, Jim Gray's been in the game a long time. He knows a lot of people. He understands how organizations work. He understands what good organizations do and why they're good. And also the flip side, bad organizations and why they're bad. So I can see him floating out different conceptual type of of, uh, scenarios uh, to Jim Gray and just getting kind of a more of a high level view of things. Um, I think he's got plenty of people for like the zoom, the zoomed in view, but the penthouse view stuff, I can see, I can see Jim Gray offering some good insight. The other part about this is because Jim Gray is, uh, trying to think of the right term. Cause I'm, I'm going to make it sound like it's negative. It's not, it's just business, but in bed with, He's hitched his wagon to Tom Brady. He's that's got that serious podcast license. makes money. Him, Larry Fitzgerald, they those guys make money. Not on a that. bad guy to get into business with, right? Right. If you're just like in the grand scheme of things, you're like a Hall of Fame quarterback. Like you've got nine figures in the bank, right? Jim Gray's not poor, but he's not Tom Brady rich. So it's like this is this is the guy I'm going to hitch my wagon to, right? So he, he got divorced makes- and he, he he got money. Right, like he's the rare, rare, rare NFL quarterback who's just like, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get caught and get rich off this. So it makes it, it's not crazy to think that maybe the reason why Mark Davis, because we all saw the report that Mark Davis was gonna give, wants to sell Tom Brady a percentage of the Raiders for like way less than market value. Very, very small percentage, by the way. Very, very small percentage, but way below market value, like like a one percent, like, like it's it's tiny. Yeah, not ownership. Like, like, not like he's gonna have like State commanding interest, but it's little, still little like taste, little taste, like ten cents on the dollar of what the franchise on paper is worth, which is insane. It should be the other way around, where if you're just getting a token amount of it, you have to pay a premium. Yeah, it kind of makes sense 
that maybe that's why Mark Davis was willing to give Tom Brady of all people a giant discount because Jim Gray, Tom Brady's homie, is his advisor. It makes sense. It makes sense. A little sense. shady. A little shady. Eh. We got to be a little shady every once in a while. Or a lot of shady. Whatever. Um. So everyone who's in the NFL, this is like the biggest news in the NFL this week. The firing of Josh McDaniels, firing of Dave Ziegler, Antonio Pierce, head coach. What's going to happen with the Raiders? All these things. And so naturally, Derek Carr, nine-year quarterback for the Raiders, who's now on the Saints, was asked about this exact situation. Here's what he, here's what he had to say in New Orleans. Speaking of the Raiders, they made a couple changes. I just feel for them and their family. You know, I I've been through it. You know, and this business is so tough that we forget the human side of things. You know, and so. Uh, you know, my, my heart is for Josh and Dave and, you know, for my friends over there dealing with another change. You know, that's, you know, I, I, I lost count how many coaches it was for me at, at that point. And, you know, there's another change, you know, for those guys to go through and a new scheme to learn, a new philosophy to learn. And, and that, doesn't, that doesn't make it easy as a player. But, you know, at the end of the day, nobody cares. We just keep it pushing. But I wish Dave and Josh the best, as, you know, as they know. And I've told them, you know, I wish them the absolute best. So to see that, it's hard. You know, uh, you know it, it breaks your heart for their families. Uh, but at the end of the day, it's a business, and they know that they'll be fine. They'll move on. They'll they'll have jobs in this league for sure. So first off, you know one of my pet peeves. Sleeveless. No, no, no. He 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 makes it look good. My one of my pet peeves is people saying, "Oh, I can't talk about someone's job." Oh, there's 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 people's families involved. Oh, we can't talk. I can't say anything that's going to cost someone their job. It's like, dude, if you're, not, if you're not doing your job well, that means there's somebody else more qualified than you that doesn't have your job. It's not a, it's a zero-sum game. Yeah. Antonio Pierce, this is his shot to prove he can be a head coach. Josh McDaniels, you've had two shots in two different franchises to prove you are a head coach, and you're not. Okay. It's a hard job. It's a hard job, and you're not up to it. Got it. Let's move on. You'll be fine. You're a multimillionaire that still has four years left on your deal that you're going to be paid for to not work. Yeah, You are good. going to be paid to not be the Raiders head coach. There are no tears for Josh McDaniels. There's no tears for the McDaniels family. I get it. It's a little embarrassing. It sucks. You got embarrassed. You got fired. It's all very public. We're all making fun of you. I get it. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. Josh McDaniels will be fine. Enough with this talk of, oh, just think of the McDaniels family. Oh, and their multi-million dollar estate? Yeah. Cry me around. Yeah, they'll be okay. Sorry. On a side Sorry. note, is uh, is uh, your boy DC losing a little bit of hair, man? He looks like those those uh, those 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 sides are creeping on him. It's creeping up? Maybe that's why yeah. he's throwing it out. And it looks like he's poofing it to make it look fuller. Because it looks really thin on the edges there. Oldest trick in the book, man. You start growing it higher in the front to have it kind of fall down a little bit. Because that's the thing is he's – because, like, I've always had thin – even before my I started going bald, I just have thin hair. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm blonde. I'm a blonde white guy. So it's, like, naturally thinner. He has naturally really full, robust hair. It's just starting to recede. So he's, he's got to get, get this. And he's going to get the little fryer tuck in the back too. Yeah. He's got to, like – to do the thing where you spray the uh, you you hairspray it and then you frizz it before to kind of fill it up, you know. 
tease it. I've been, I've been through all those phases. That's where I went first, man. I went first. I'm, I'm like, this is done. But yeah. I started getting the I little patch back here. The, before the I get the little patch. I still had the hairline, but I had a little patch back here, and I'm like, whoa, that ain't good. At 26, yeah, I, I just said, screw that. <laughs> I didn't freak out until I saw the back. That's when I started. That's like, the okay, but, that's I mean, my right. hairline has always been high. And, 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 and when I started when I started getting that little, I was like, wait a second. Wait a I was, minute. I was getting bald jokes in middle school. I was 12. And guys were making fun of my hairline. Are you the uh, teacher? Like, what? Yeah. So, the, oh, so yeah, the, I have a funny story about that. So I was, yeah. I was like, my hairline's always been high, whatever. And I started, I started, it started getting thin like early. So I was in a basketball tournament in high school and I landed wrong, whatever. I, I, I thought I broke my ankle. They thought I broke my ankle. They sent me to the ER. So my mom wasn't there, but she met me at the hospital. So I'm sitting there, they get their x-ray in my ankle. Like, you know, they're, they're moving in. I'm like, ah, so my mom's sitting there and the nurse comes in. She's like, oh, sorry, you, your girlfriend's going to have to wait outside. I was like, I'm like, yeah, I'm gonna hear this the rest of my life because I had a full on mustache and I had the hair kind of like my my hairline was already messed up. Your mom but had to been. My feeling mom does look young at the time. She's only like what 20 years older than me. So at the time, she was not even 40. She was in her mid 30s. Uh, so yeah, they said, yeah, your girlfriend's out there. Oh, you remember when the nurse thought I was your girlfriend? <laughs> oh God, I hear that all the time. Every time I bring someone new around. Yeah. Like not even a girl, but like anyone new, she she'll she'll you know bring that story up. Like oh great, my mom had me at nineteen. I got like oh is your sister picking you up from like middle school and stuff? I was like nuts. That's my mom. I remember like uh, uh, salesman would knock on the door and she'd answer the door and, be, and they'd be like oh is is the you know is the man of the house or woman of the house home? She's like yeah that's me. I have two. I have three kids, but I look like I'm four. That would be me. <laughs> yeah, uh, I know my, my mom too. Yes. The other part that Derek Carr brought up that I thought was actually most pertinent. And he talked about how, like, you know, he started with, oh, I feel so bad for Josh McDaniels and ended with, I feel so bad for Josh McDaniels, cry me a river. But he brought up a really good point in the middle. He's like, this is yet another time where my teammates, my ex-teammates, have a whole new set of circumstances. Another new head coach. Another new offensive coordinator. Another new GM. And not just like every other season – halfway through multiple seasons like it's rare they get through a full season without all these changes and that's real man like you can look at these other these other franchises with tons of continuity the patriots the steelers the seahawks like they have no excuse but to play your best and have everything set because there's all there's a hundred variables that are eliminated every single season the raiders they got to deal with all the rigors of being an NFL franchise, all the rigors of playing the other 31 teams in the NFL on top of not knowing who your coach is going to be next week on a seasonal basis. Like that's, I'm glad Carr brought that up because we used to always kind of talk about in terms of just Derek Carr, new offensive coordinator. He always struggles and oh, he's just using this as an excuse because he has new head coaches. What about the other 52 players on the team? Yeah, it affects, you know, it affects the quarterback the most, but there's 52 other players on these franchises that have to be like, Meetings are totally different. Schemes completely different. Entirely new way of coaching. How do I communicate with this guy? Like that's real. That is a real, real stressor for this franchise. It is uh, definitely one of the good things is that Bo coming in. He was a quarterbacks coach. Aiden O'Connell and Bo worked together 
closely the entire year, uh, even into the into the the preseason. And uh, so they have a, a really good familiarity of what uh, Aiden O'Connell has picked up and what he does well. So I don't think there's going to be that big of an issue this year. I think if they make a change next year, then uh, then yeah, that's going to be a big issue. Um, the, the the big change should be the playbook's roughly the same, but Antonio Pierce is going to motivate us better. I feel like that that should be the recipe for this. Well, season. The playbook is the same, but the plays that are called are going to be different. They're they're going to call plays with different um, different goals in mind. I think they're not going to try to just dink and dunk the way up the field. They're going to call a little bit more. They're going to use more motion, more movement. Uh, they're going to highlight certain players in certain situations, right? Um, like the, uh, the perfect time to throw. I mean, all the time is the perfect time to throw, throw Devontae the ball, but. If you want a nice chunk play, like you're probably on maybe on your own 40 and you want to get a nice little chunk play to get yourself for sure in field goal range, you're going to draw something up to get the ball to Devontae 20, or 20 yards down. The, you know, a little right. stop and go on the outside. Yeah, Devontae something like, you know, maybe maybe we get to see a fake uh, end around, you know, a fake a fake reverse with uh, with Tucker and actually use that, that, uh, that action uh, to help, you know, a different play. We don't know yet, but I do know that it's going to be a little bit more innovative a little less predictable so what exactly what ha what exactly happened with josh mcdaniel failing like we all kind of know the big things um but there's a really good interview that mike lombardi did on the pat mcavee show and he brought up two things about it so obviously mike lombardi is mick lombardi's father who was our former offensive coordinator now fired and he used to work for al davis so he's got two very very intrinsic internal ways of looking at the Raiders he knows the old way with Al Davis he knows the new way with his son um and also just a good football mind so when he talks about the Raiders I listen um good interview I, I suggest you listen to the whole thing but here's two tidbits that I think you should pay attention to take a listen the last position you fix on your team is the wide receiver when we were getting ready to trade up for Jerry Rice we had the 28th pick of the draft we traded to 19. He wanted to trade up because he felt the team was perfect around him. And he said to me, now is the time to get a blue chip receiver. Now, because we're good. He said, when you're not good, you can't because it creates conflict. Can't get the ball to him, can't protect. And I think when the Raiders went there, when Josh went there in terms of team building, uh -huh. that move, the first move he made was great. And it won a lot of fanfare. But the reality is, if you can't protect and you can't rush the passer, it ends up not working out, and you get a disgruntled player like Devontae who's saying, hey, how come I'm not getting the football? So now there is no universe where I'm saying that having Devontae Adams on the Raiders make the Raiders worse. Let's get that off the table right now. But there is something to, I think, what Lombardi is saying, that to have a Lamborghini and not know how to drive it causes a lot of problems. You've got Devontae Adams, and he's getting disgruntled because he's not getting the ball because you can't pass block for him. You don't have the right quarterback for him. You're not creative enough as a play caller for him. He creates more problems than maybe you predicted. Having a player that good, you can't feed because he makes a really good point. Like, you know, he was talking about when he was with the 49ers and drafting Jerry Rice. It's like, that's the last thing you do. You got to make sure you have the line, make sure you have the quarterback, make sure you have the scheme, and then you can feed your superstars. Raiders went inverted because Devontae wanted to play with his college teammate. So we've 
stumbled upon this superstar of a, of a, of a weapon that we just didn't have the tools to feed. Yeah, I don't agree with that whatsoever. I think that was the old NFL, the three yards in a cloud of dust NFL. Mm -hmm. This NFL is built to throw the ball. When uh, Joe Burrow really took off was when he got Jamar Chase. Mm -hmm. uh, when Josh Allen took off was when they got on Stephon Diggs. Mm -hmm. uh, when um, well, the reason uh, he said it was an issue Lawrence, is because Trevor you have a disgruntled superstar. Right. Well, so, no. The, the the problem is the 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 play calling. He he did not. the The offense was stale. Now, here's the thing: when they brought in Devonte Adams, he had a great season his first year with Derek Carr. The problem was not bringing in Devonte Adams. The problem was who they chose to replace Derek Carr with. That's the issue. When they came in, the offense was they had the leading rusher in the NFL. Devonte Adams broke a bunch of Raider records. That explanation is complete hogwash. Well, it's, no, I think I, I don't think he's saying the offense was an issue. I think he's saying you have a now a disgruntled superstar, which is true. Devonte is a disgruntled superstar. The, 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 superstar be, the, the superstar became disgruntled because of subsequent decisions after bringing him in. Mm -hmm. He wasn't disgruntled last year. He's disgruntled this year because you got rid of the quarterback he wanted to play with. Fine. He, he, he gets it. But who do you replace that quarterback with? He said it in the beginning of the season, before the season started. He said they weren't on the same page. So that's when it started. It didn't start when they brought him in. Well, I think what Lombardi's getting at is it's one thing if your backup guard is disgruntled. It's another thing if your superstar all-world wide receiver is disgruntled. And again – there's no universe where I'm like bringing Devonte Adams and made the Raiders work. I just don't. I just don't think that carries weight. I don't think it carries water, man, because he wasn't disgruntled last year when they brought him in. It was subsequent decisions after that that made him disgruntled. I, I think there. I think there's a responsibility that comes with having a superstar weapon, and it comes with it comes with consequences. Like they have to be fed, or there's or it becomes an issue. And the decision right? for and the quarterback couldn't feed him. That that's a subsequent decision to I, the original decision. I think we're in agreement of the bigger argument here. I think I think we're I think we're I think we're in agreement more than we're disagreeing. I think it's a matter of like when you have a superstar, it is vital to feed them. You're paying them all that money, got to make them work. Uh, why? Like your your offense is obviously better if you're giving him the ball. But on the flip side, if those things don't happen, it's not like you're not giving a you know your fourth wide receiver the ball. Right, yeah. like you know, but that's not what he's saying though. He's saying you don't go out and get this guy until you address everything else first. I'm saying in the modern NFL, you need to get you that guy. They got the they got the guy, which was we all agree is correct. I'm saying on the back end, it comes with responsibilities, and we saw that unfurl negatively. I agree that, with you. I don't agree with with Mike Lombardi. On like it. if Michael Mayer was getting pissed about his his targets, he'd be like. Chill out, dude. You're a rookie. I mean, I'm you're pissed about Michael Mayer's target. I think that guy's right? a stud. But he shouldn't, right? Yeah. Devontae, it's like, okay, that's going to cause reverberations. If Devontae if Devontae's unhappy, that was one of the things. I think I, I, I do agree that I think that was one of the issues that led to Josh McDonald's firing as now was how Devontae felt about it. Not the only one, but I think that was, I played a, I played a part that I don't think a lot of people are talking about. Another thing you brought up, if you don't win, if you lose a 20-point lead at home against Arizona, 
if you lose to Jeff Saturday, a new coach, if you lose to, you know, Baker Mayfield, who just shows up, and then you lose in Chicago to a rookie quarterback from Shepard, you're going to lose the confidence of the team. That's just the reality of the business we've chosen. And I think that's the biggest no-brainer about how all this happened, was just the mounting, embarrassing. It's the terrible losses, man. Dick-kicking losses to bad teams. And t- On paper, teams that were in worse situations than we are. Far worse. And still we got embarrassing losses. It uh I mean, we all saw it coming. We all felt it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think it's a surprise. Anyone sees it as a surprise. Uh I think we felt we, we were feeling it every loss. We were just, just kind of like more and a little bit more and more dejected. Like, man, these guys, what happened? You know, mm-hmm. what's going on? And then we started seeing more and more cracks. We started looking maybe being a little bit more uh, picky about the new, the press conferences and things started leaking out. And yeah, man, I don't think it was a surprise to anyone. In Raider news, we picked up a linebacker, Jalen Smith, according to his agent, Doug Hedrickson and confirmed by Ian Rappaport. He's now a Raider. Uh, he was on the practice. Uh, Raiders worked him out this off season. Didn't sign him. Saints worked him out. Didn't sign him, put him on the practice squad. We now took him. Which makes sense um, because the Raiders could potentially be out three linebackers. Diablo missed a bunch of time, and then Robert Spillane has a hand injury, and Luke Masterson's in concussion protocol. So going up against Saquon Barkley this weekend, we could be down three linebackers. This was a move that had to be done, picking up another one. Well, we needed it. Um, obviously, he passed the physical because uh, you know he was able to sign. That's my biggest concern. You know, he's got knee issues. He had that terrible accident his last college game at, at Notre Dame in the bowl game. Um, and uh, he sat out a year, and he played pretty well with Dallas. But, I mean, just that grind over and over again when you have that 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 type of knee injury, it's just it's going to pop up again. Like, think, think uh, Todd Gurley. You knew with his knee injury, you knew that he wasn't going to last that long. But while he was – Good, he was going to be really good, and he was, but the drop off was steep. How much does he have left, even though he might be healthy? How much does it, re- how well does his knee respond? How much movement and, and range does he have? We're, we're going to find out. He's a smart player, though, but we're going to find out. Also, in Raider news, um, Robert Griffin III, of all people, tweeted, All right, hear me out. You always know something smart's going to happen when you hear, hear me out first. Marshawn Lynch should at least get a head coach interview with the Raiders this offseason. Lean into the Raider way. Team becomes feared with his style mentality. Load up his staff with experience and proven coordinators. Who says no? I can think of at least two guys who say no. I say no. You're hearing their voices right now. (laughs) Marshawn Lynch's run with the Raiders has baffled. Like, this baffles me more than anything. He came into the Raiders late was out of shape, didn't do squat for the first half of the season, got a little better in shape and had a couple of good games for us. But like the love that he got, the media attention that he commands, it's not even close to what he contributed on the field to the Raiders. And it's so weird how he's this like beloved Raider figure for how little he did. I don't get it. I mean, it's because who he is. He's a media guy now. He's you know popular. He's got his Bay Area guy, Bay Area media company. He's a Raider. The way he talked about loving the Raiders and always wanted to be a Raider, and he's been, he's been a Raider his whole life, and blah blah blah. 
I'm not, I'm not dismissing it, but that's the reason why it, it he, his, his play wasn't stellar. Uh, it just, it's, it's a novelty is what it is. Um, it was, it's, I don't want to, I don't want to sound like super negative here, but like this whole, like anytime anyone says like, I love the Raiders and I'm for the Raider way. I feel like we always like Raider Nation just forgives every one of their warts, all of their faults. And we get like, it's like a siren song. Like we love getting ourselves jerked off to like how great the Raiders are. And we'll just like believe anything anyone says. Like RG3 is like, oh man, embrace the Raider way. That's what Marshawn Lynch would do. And I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, he will. He'd embrace the Raider way. Sign him up. It's like. Slow down. Like, like don't be, don't be fooled by, by the man behind the curtain. You know what Look, I mean? Like don't let someone, I love the Raider way as much as anybody, but don't let anyone be able to just say they'll embrace the Raider way and you therefore then believe everything that person says. Yeah, so look, I'm not saying that Marshawn Lynch is not intelligent. I mean, he went to Cal. So you, they still have like a high uh, level that you need to reach to, to go you to that. You have to actually school. go to class. You actually you go have to go to school there. This isn't so, Alabama or Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. So he went to Cal. So he's a smart guy. Um, he, he, never, he never touched any of his salary. Did you hear that? Did you hear that about him? That he lived off of his endorsements his entire career. He he didn't he never touched any of his salary. He just he just banked it and, and invested it. Invested it. Yeah. So I mean, he's that's why he has his, his own production company now, right? Beast Mode Production. So he he's smart, but he hasn't been a coach. I mean, I don't think ever. So you're asking someone. I mean, if Jeff Saturday was like an anomaly, you're asking Marshawn Lynch to come off the bench to come off the bench. My ass to come off of like the street basically and he knows football but he's never coached before so i mean there's only so long where you can be like come on be about that action boss like, jeff saturday was a joke and he was at least a high school coach like he at least exactly. he at least was coaching at the he was keeping the the coaching juices were at least turning and he was a joke being yeah. yeah he and won like, oh, one game that. he won one game you know so right. I, just, I just I, I just think we need to uh just slow down a little. I think you know RG three was being a little clickbaity. Ready to do some what of windbags? Yes, sir. Speaking of clickbait, G three sixty live right now. Hunter Renfro was all like, "I survived." I'm so glad Renfro didn't get traded before McDaniel's got fired. And that was one of my concerns with waiting to see how long they moved on from these guys was. Like obviously everything Josh McDaniels and Dave Ziegler were doing for all this season was how do I not get fired? And that could have easily been trade away draft picks to get me like reach for a guard or something that can get me going this year and sacrifice the future to get to eight wins just to survive. So luckily we kept Renfro and hopefully whoever, you know, Antonio Pierce, whoever takes over next season can actually put him to use correctly. Yeah, it's it's uh, it was touch and go there for a little bit. He was in ICU and he was about to get flushed down the drain, but um, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. It's a Christmas miracle, and I think that uh, he was definitely uh, on his last couple days, uh, and uh, I think it's a good thing that we kept him. He's already on the team. You know, he's already a part of the cap. You know, we we can we can agree to disagree on his compensation, but. 
he's shown that when given the opportunity, he can be productive. So we just need to make sure we put him in the right positions. Daniel Munoz, 3921. And just like that, they pull me back in. I was out after last game for the season, just didn't see the progress or point anymore. This reinvigorated me. Which is what Mark Mark Davis's goal. Right? He was seeing just like disinterest was the best case scenario for Mark Davis if fans were becoming disinterested because the bulk of it was just complete vitriol and anger. Yeah, I think vitriol and anger was is not the worst thing because that still still shows some engagement, some emotion, right? The, the disinterest is what you don't want. You don't want someone to be indifferent about you. You want someone to be angry because at least they're, they're showing some emotion because they still care. Um, you want to have them swiping through your ex's Instagram feed and not just like ignoring them altogether. Right. Yeah, I think this is something that, I mean, if 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 Daniel Munoz 3921 feels that way, if you and I feel that way, imagine what the, what the players feel like. Brown star slots. I don't know if that's a dirty word or not. I went and saw an XPW wrestling show in the high school gymnasium the Clippers used to play in. LA Sports Arena and its surroundings were crazy. By the way, I happened to find a cheap hotel down there that doubled as a hostel. I can't imagine that place exists anymore. I guess uh, probably in. not. Yeah. This was in regards to uh, on my live show, I was talking about Antonio Pierce and how he grew up in Compton and how he went to Raider games at the Coliseum. And look, Oakland, that was, it was violent, right? It was violent up there. Just, we can be honest. But if you're from, let's say, the Bay, right? If you're from like San Francisco or whatever, you're coming up from somewhere else, take the BART, you get off the BART, you cross the bridge, and you're in the stadium, right? Mm-hmm. And to leave, you go across the bridge to the BART, and you, you're, 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 you're in safety in 10 minutes. Yeah. Not so much in the LA Coliseum. That place is in Jean-Paul de la Ghetto. And um, I said the joke about uh, Chris Rock said that Martin Luther King Jr. stood for nonviolence, but if you're on MLK anywhere in America, there's some violence going on. And it's on MLK and Figueroa. So, um, yeah. He went to some... Uh, he went to some... Some crazy... He probably he saw some crazy stuff. I think you and I both saw some crazy stuff going to the LA Coliseum, too. I mean, it's only slightly better now. Like you go to an SC game at the Coliseum. At least there's police presence now. Before there was yeah. nothing. You go there now and it's like, you got guys like trying to like sell you parking. They're like, oh yeah, just park like right here. Like this definitely isn't your home or building. But if I don't give you this $80, you're going to slash my tires. So $80 like, must be a bad game. They're charging a lot now. There's a lot. But yeah, the, the LA sports arena was a dump. Oof, that place was terrible. All right, that's it for this episode of the Autumn Windbags. Uh, we'll be back in a day or two to break down the Giants game. If you're the Giants, how the hell do you prepare for this squad? Like you're going against a rookie quarterback with only one game of film. You got a brand new play caller. What kind of guy are we getting? What's what's the edict going to be from on high? Is it feed Josh Jacobs? Is it feed Devontae Adams? Is it get Hunter Renfro back in action? Is it just do what's best? Is it uncork everything? Is it play just sound and safe and this defense will take over like we'll try to break it all down because a lot of question marks defensively it's going to be difficult their secondary and their linebackers have not been playing well they're they're deep excuse me their defensive line is very good even without leonard williams they still have more players on on the defensive line 
just a little taste. Uh, offensively, it's going to be the Saquon Barkley show. Mm. Uh, with all the rush yards that we gave up last week. Oh, yeah. Now they're getting the ball to Barkley. And we've got three linebackers all hurt. Screen passes. I mean, they're going to get the ball to Saquon. If you're an odds maker, how do you handicap this? Like it's, <laughs> there's just so many variables. They might take it off the board, man. It's it's a tough one. It's a it's tough so one to because I mean both both the, the last games these these teams both played were, were very 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 bad. So negative seven net passing yards for the Giants last game. I mean, Thank Daniel you. Jones is coming back, so there's that. It's not going to be Tyrod. It's going to soon, like it was last week. Yeah, that was crazy, but yeah, it's still tough. It's still awful. All right, we'll keep you abreast of all those things, and until then. Knock on wood if you're with me.